Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm Emma Cantor, Associate Children's Book Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with author Carlos Hernandez about his new middle grade novel, Sal and Gabby Break the Universe. The book is due out on March 5th from Disney Hyperion's Rick Riordan Presents imprint, which is sponsoring this podcast. Carlos Hernandez has published more than 30 works of fiction, poetry, and drama, most notably a book of short stories for adults entitled The Assimilated Cuban's Guide to Quantum Santeria. He is also an English professor at the City University of New York. In Sal and Gabby Break the Universe, 13-year-old Sal Vidon, an amateur magician with the ability to open holes in the space-time continuum, adjusts to his new life at art school in Miami, where his classmates suspect he's a brujo or bad witch. Thank you for speaking with me, Carlos. Oh, thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. To start things off, where did you find the inspiration for this jam-packed sci-fi romp? (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm glad you called it jam-packed because I get inspiration from all sorts of places. And I mean, that's that's what's great about writing fiction like this. You can just pack all the good ideas that you've had into one volume. You know, I think uh, one of the best things about writing is that you get to sound a lot smarter than you are because what you get to do is say, oh, I'll work on this book for two years, but it will only take someone two days to read it. So I'm going to sound really smart by the end of it. Uh, I just more specifically, though, Sal and Gabby are both characters from the Assimilated Cubans Guide to Quantum Santeria. They're they're both uh, adults in those books and they have different jobs, but they're my two favorite characters that I've ever written. And so when uh, I was approached by Disney Hyperion with the possibility of maybe doing a book, I thought to myself, I'd really love to know what Sal and Gabby were like as kids. The character's Cuban-American culture plays an important role in the novel, from food to folklore and more. How much of that is based on your own heritage and experience? Uh, I'd estimate between 150 and 3,000 percent. My mom (laughs) was an unbelievable cook. You know, she was she was uh, a chef chef. Uh, I mean, not not a not a trained chef like she didn't work in a restaurant, but she was just so great that, you know, other Cuban women would ask her to cook her, you know, her yellow rice and and her uh, buliche and her her ropa vieja, you know. So she 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 very much gave me a lot of the the food stuff that I that I used in this book and and also in the in the upcoming second book that will be coming out. Uh, this time next year. In addition to bending space and time, Sal is a gifted magician and illusionist. Do you have a passion for magic as well? You know, I am not a magician in the sense of like I perform, but I have always loved magic. And to me, you know, the great magicians are great linguists. They're great at language and making you believe with their words first. And they're excellent engineers as well. And that's the part I'm not so good at. You know, I think um, a, a magician is somebody who can make objects do what they want them to do to create the illusions that they want to. And so it's it's a great exercise 
exercise and sort of like taking control of your own life to be a magician because you make the impossible seem possible and you're able to, you know, think through problems in a step-by-step manner and say, yeah, if I do this and this and this and this and this, I'll create something that will look unbelievable to an audience. Uh, so I love magic. I just went to a magic performance here in New York as part of my birthday present. And, you know, it is it is just as mesmerizing now as it was when I was a kid. In some ways, the junior high that Sal and Gabby attend is like a dream school full of talented students and a vibrant arts program. What was it like building that world for them? It was the best. (laughs) It was so much fun because first I had a good school experience and I think, you know, maybe a lot of people haven't, uh, or at least according to the fiction that I've read, because a lot of schools are depicted as terrible, horrible places. You know, these, these, you know, places where students just go to get punished and mean teachers do mean things. That wasn't my experience, uh, going to school one and two, you know, uh, this this is a, a book about uh, Cuban Americans, about the Latinx community, and it's it's very much about sort of like not not also what exists, but what is possible. And I love the idea of giving you know uh, students uh, a place to really romp and grow and and get the most out of their education. So you know, I, I think the school may be a little on the aspirational side, <laughs> may be a little bit fanciful, but you know, we need we need that as much as we do hard realism. The relationship that develops between Sal and Gabby first competitive and then fiercely loyal, is so vivid. Can you talk a bit about bringing their friendship to life? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I remember very much, you know, in being uh, in middle school and having these sorts of extremely powerful friendships. And, and sometimes they would develop in just like a day, you know, and then this person would be a friend, you know, for life. And and that's the thing that, that I think happens in middle school and maybe in high school to some degree, but, but especially like in middle school, I feel like that's the place where friendships can really bloom and, and the bonds that you create there can last a very, very, very long time. And so, you know, these two are high performers and they are very interesting, but they're also really interested in making the world a better place. Both of them are. And so, you know, when you find those people who, you know, help you be a better you or the people who can really see you for what you are uh, and and understand you, you know, Gabby can see the holes and nobody else in Sal's experience could. That's when, you know, those bonds can really happen. So to me, it was, you know, friendship is is very much a theme in the book and uh, just how vital it is to have great friends all your life. On the other hand, death and illness are also prominent themes in the book as Sal mourns the loss of his mother and Gabby fears losing her baby brother who's in the hospital. Why did these feel like important issues to address for younger readers in particular? Oh, because younger readers have all sorts of hard things to deal with, too. You know, I, I, you know, I lost my grandfather when I was eight uh, and on my birthday. And so, you know, just because I was eight, the world wasn't going to spare me. I wasn't going to be shown any extra mercy from fate uh, in order to, you know, have a happy childhood. And so to me, the book is very much about uh, the, the difficulties that exist in the whole universe. You know, there's not really a villain 
in Sal and Gabby. There isn't like one person that is, you know, twisting a mustache and, you know, tying someone to railroad tracks. It's very much, you have all of these great adults and you have, you know, Sal and Gabby who are spectacular kids. And then you've got the world to deal with. And the world, even when you have everything going for you, is still a difficult place. And so I wanted to give, you know, the readers something that they could relate to in terms of, yeah, the world is a hard place, but but here are some things we can do. Also on that note, Sal faces health issues on a daily basis as a type 1 diabetic. How did you go about representing that aspect of his identity? Yeah, that's a really important aspect because one of the things I discovered in my research is that type 1 and type 2 diabetes are growing at a huge rate among uh, the Latinx community. And so, you know, this is something I hadn't heard before I started researching the book, and it was very important to me, therefore, to represent it. But how to represent it, it's, of course, you know, an interesting issue. And one of the things that I discovered is that, you know, we, we often treat people who have illnesses or have, you know, differently abled bodies as, you know, less capable. Uh, and sometimes it happens even out of kindness. Like, you know, we want to help people. So we do take extra steps in order to try and help them. But at the cost, sometimes, perhaps, of not giving them the chance to do things that they could do. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that whatever body, you know, you have, it is a great and marvelous and wonderful machine and it's capable of so much. And so, you know, the most important thing I wanted to show is that people with diabetes, they, they have to keep track of things and they, they do perform some, you know, tests throughout the day or they, they're wearing a pump or a monitor that, that helps them do these things, but they can do it all. You know, they, they are just just as capable. And so, you know, w one of the tricks uh, that I that I played was to kind of downplay it. And so, you know, Sal is on a climbing wall by, you know, early on in the book, and uh, he seems very active. And, you know, there are issues that come up with his uh, diabetes, but he's also extremely, extremely capable, which is, you know, indeed, one of the things that was very important for me to show that that people with with differently abled bodies can do just everything they can they can do it all. As you mentioned earlier, you've previously written a number of works for adults. Did you find that your writing approach differed at all when turning to a middle grade audience? Well, luckily, I'm extremely immature. So we didn't have much of an issue. No, I mean, I mean, I, really, what it is is, um, you know, I, I've gotten this question a few times. It's like, oh, did you have to, you know, like dumb it down, or did you have to, like, you know, write, you know, simpler ways because you're writing for kids? And the answer is no. I think Sal and Gabby breaks the universe is the most sophisticated thing I've ever written, uh, and on a number of levels, and. I think it's accessible, but I don't think it's simple. And I, I just remember, you know, when I was 11, I took a shot at reading War and Peace because it was there in the library and I liked to read. And sure, this big fat book looked like a challenge and I would try it. And 
I would say that, you know, maybe I didn't understand every single word, but I still have images that I remember from War and Peace that are part of my imagination today. You know, there's this Russian soldier who drinks a bottle of vodka upside down out of a window. You know, it's this incredibly vivid, powerful scene that I remember to this day. And I read it when I was young, and it was War and Peace, one of the great works of literature. Uh, so, so what I would say is, you know, it wasn't a matter of me... Uh, having to make great changes to my writing style or anything like that. I just had to sort of like release the inner 13-year-old inside of me and be, you know, just as sort of like zany and as calculating as uh, I wanted Sal to be, you know, uh, at the same time. The novel includes a reference to the classic A Wrinkle in Time, and you also lavish great detail in describing Sal and Gabby's school library. Were you a big reader growing up? I was pretty big. Uh, you know, I, I started reading when I was young, and I was very fortunate to have a precocious big sister whose books then I would, you know, rifle through and scavenge and take. And so uh, I was definitely reading all of my life. And, you know, what I can tell you is that I was also playing video games. You know, I had an Atari 2600. Look that one up, kids, if you dare. You know, and uh, I, you know, had pretty much every video game system right up until the Nintendo 64. And then I didn't always have it, but I have a PS4 right now. Uh, you know, so like I was playing video games and I was playing outside a lot. You know, we played kick the can well into the darkness of the night when I was a kid. So like I was doing a lot of different things and reading a lot just felt natural. You know, it just felt like it would fit into the day. And so, you know, I often think about people who say, I don't have time to read. And I really want to say, it's just not something you're prioritizing. And that's fine if that's your thing. But, you know, I remember having a very full and differentiated childhood with all sorts of activities. But, you know, I was reading lots of fantasy and science fiction books, too. In addition to writing, you're also an English professor. I'm curious, what kinds of literature do you focus on with your students? Ah, so it depends which class, of course. But, you know, so when I'm teaching a composition class, I'm focused on nonfiction, which often has to do with uh, newspaper articles, essays, uh, things that are issue-based and uh, on which students have to take a position. I often teach science fiction, which runs through, you know, the beginnings of science fiction all the way to contemporary times. And I, you know, teach creative writing, which gives me a lot of carte blanche to include a lot of different kinds of poetry and drama and fiction. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why I love uh, being able to write Sal and Gabby uh, in the way that I did, because it is definitely a science fiction book, and I adore science fiction, but it borrows a lot from all of the wide reading in literature that I've done, you know, and so it's a book that I hope, you know, will appeal to readers, not just of science fiction, but people who are just interested in ideas and especially in characters, you know, that's what the, the often the difference that's marked in literary fiction versus genre fiction, you know, that, that literary fiction doesn't focus so much on a plot as it does on the characters interactions. And my novel is definitely a, a character based novel. And I understand there's a sequel on the way. Can you tell us anything about it? I can tell you the title. It's called Sal and Gabby Fix the Universe. Ooh. And I can also tell you it's kind of a lie. <laughs> they, kind of, they kind of fix it. But, you know, there's, there's still some more breaking that happens. And so, you know, well, I can tell you thematically, you know, this, that, that really the first book is sort of like, 
you know, you are living in a world that's full of complexity. You're living in a world that's full of unanswered questions and adults, uh, the older you get, the more questions that arrive. And so, you know, how, how do you function? How do you deal, you know, with the fact that the world has all of these unanswered questions and you're flooded with information, but at the same time, we know so little about our existence and we're constantly learning more. Book two is really sort of like the call to action, sort of like, okay, we accept the fact that we're in, you know, this difficult position where there's so much that we don't know about the world. How do we do the right thing, you know, and, and what does it mean to do the right thing? And how do we search out the right thing when you have all of this ambiguity? How do you be a moral, ethical person? And so, you know, when Sal and Gabby uh, decide to save Iggy in the first book, there are consequences of doing that, that they're going to have to deal with in the second book. And so it's a, it's very much a, a question of, you've got this power, how do you use it well? Well, congratulations on the new book and the start of an exciting series. Thank you for speaking with me. Thank you so much. It's been tons of fun. Once again, I've been speaking with Carlos Hernandez, whose new book, Sal and Gabby Break the Universe, is out on March 5th from Rick Riordan Presents. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast. <laughs>